Hi, I'm Kirk Fletcher, and this is the Blues Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Blues Podcast. I'm Big Boy Bloater, and I'm very happy to say I've got an amazing guest here today with me. Uh, as always, uh, this guy is a, a phenomenal guitarist, just a great guy. He's been all around the world. He's played with some amazing people. And I'm very excited to talk to him about it. So let's jump straight into it right now. And I'll talk to the one and only fantastic guitarist, Kirk Fletcher. Hey, <laughs> how are you doing? Everything going good there? You keep keeping safe there? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, man. How are you? Are you okay? I'm doing pretty good. I just recently arrived back a couple of days ago from California to visit my family and be there for the holidays. And now I'm back in cold, chilly Switzerland. Nice. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very nice yeah. indeed. So, Coke, I always like to uh, kick off these things by uh, delving into your history a little bit. I want to know, you know how you got into blues in the first place. I mean, you know, growing up in, uh, in, in California, right? Uh, yeah. In, in uh, you know, I guess your school friends were into all kinds of music. How did you get into the blues in the first place? Well, you know, the blues for me, I mean, my father, like I've said, <laughs> my father is a pastor um, of a church at one time, you know, for, well, most of my life he's passed away now, but for most of, you know, for all of my life, he was a pastor. He was a pastor before I was born and really, the Southern Holiness Church, you know, Church of God in Christ, that's really halfway there already because it's really old school and really traditional gospel and a lot of hand claps and tambourines and everybody joining in. So it's really bluesy already. Yeah. And then my family's from Pine Bluff, Arkansas. So they're very, you know, Southern and, and they, you know, quite a bit older when they had me. My uh, mom was 33 and my dad was 44 and he was born in 1931. Wow. So, yeah. you know, he saw yeah. a lot, you know. So basically they would tell me about these blues artists, plus you at the church too. And I have really older brothers too. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it was real natural. The blues was always really natural. And I don't exactly know why. I guess it's just something I gravitated towards, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, it's, it's kind yeah. of like it's, it's built into us really isn't it i think blues it's such a primal yeah. rootsy yeah. thing anyway i think Absolutely. i think that's what actually what's made it so successful for so long is people can identify yeah. with it instantly can't they they go you know blues, Absolutely. i get it yeah it's 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 a music that people just understand i think that's that's yeah, yeah. What, what um when you very first started listening to to blues music kind of under your own steam you know um yeah who, who were you listening to who were you the artists you were going to initially well, you know, it uh, it kind of happened, you know, at different times, kind of in a roundabout way, because um, at first I heard a record that my older brother had, Bobby Bland, and I heard like further on up the road. And I heard my yeah. mom talk yeah. about like, you know, listening to him when she was younger, you know. And then like there was this uh, radio show called KLON, it's still going, it's just called K-Jazz, but KLON in out of Long Beach, California with the blues host, Bernie Pearl. Yeah. So when I was about seven or eight, I could literally on the weekends hear every kind of blues there was, you know, for 
you know, the rest of my life, you know, as long as I lived in California. So I heard like Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters and all of the 80s blues and Stevie Ray Vaughan, everything on this radio station. And I would record that, you know, on my cassette tape, my little Smurf Walkman, you know, <laughs> back when I was a kid. So, yeah. you know, I, I was continually listening to blues like that, too. So that's really, it was, you know, those two things that really kind of, you right, know, yeah. it's a little of everything. <laughs> and how how did you get to guitar playing? Was that something that came from listening to that blues and you think, wow, I want to play guitar? Or was it you wanted to play guitar first and he, the blues followed afterwards? Do you remember getting into guitar in the first place? Well, my older brother um, played guitar and I just naturally, very naturally gravitated towards guitar. You know, I was a little kid and most kids are concerned about playing and, you know, running around and being yeah. a kid. And I was just immediately, my brother would play guitar or they would play in church or anything like that. I was just there glued to his every move ever since I was really little, you know. So that's really how it started. Very naturally, I just picked up his guitar when he put it down and just started trying to make sounds, you know. Yeah, and yeah. it's funny, there, there's a videotape of me when I was like maybe nine years old. Oh, wow. And it's weird because this is before I really heard any blues, you know, like just really other than maybe B.B. King on TV or something. But... I can remember, I haven't seen this videotape in a long time, but I remember just like playing really bluesy and I was just playing the church song, you know, it was called oh, Don't yeah. Let the Devil Ride. And I tried to play real bluesy and soulful and I meant, you know, so it's like, it's sort of like always been there in a way, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I'm how did you get to, how did you get hold of your, your own first guitar because obviously if you were borrowing your brother's must come a point yeah. where it was like no you need your own guitar how did that how did that work out? do you remember your first guitar and do you still have it no i don't <laughs> i don't know where it is but you know my first very first guitar was uh there was this department store called sears sears and yeah. roba and um they sold everything so they sold this um black and red uh, acoustic guitar and I guess before I can even remember, I only had like two strings on it and I would drag this guitar all around the house, you know? So I re I was so young, you know, I had that guitar so young that I just, you know, I always had it as long as I can remember I had a guitar. So then a little while later, I got a proper guitar and that was probably like a, oh, I think I went through a bunch of Tysco and different things when I was really young, but my first proper guitar was a Squire Stratocaster. Okay, yep. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I bet that felt like, you know, so rock and roll when you got hold of that, right? Must, oh, man. And yeah. then all of the music that was playing, you know, like on MTV and, and like on the radio. So it was very rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember uh, getting that guitar? Do you remember what the first songs you, you played on that guitar would have been? Oh, definitely church music. Right. You know, like everything that, you know, was in the church, like uh, Love Lifted Me, Amazing Grace, and, you know, just so many different uh, songs like that, you know, right, really. Yeah. And then there was like the Dixie Hummingbirds I listened to. And also oh, yeah. on the radio during that time, uh, mid, kind of early mid 80s was like, Prince and you know heavy metal and rock and all that stuff so of yeah. course you know 19 year old kid i'm gonna try and figure it out because i don't care about 
what kind of genre it is. I yeah. just want to play guitar, you know. It sounds yeah. good, right? And it sounds exciting. So you you want to do yeah. you want a bit of that? You want a piece yeah. of that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> um, do you remember at what point it was that it, it started to become less about the church music and more about the the blues music? Was there a was there a particular sort of crossover point, or was it just a very general kind of drift into the blues? You know, I was all you know my brother for playing in church and being mostly a gospel guitar player, he played other styles, but he was very cutting edge. My older brother, he had like pedals and wah wah, all the latest gadgets, different guitars and all this. So, you know, he, I was always into like other stuff besides gospel, you know, sort of like that rebellious thing, you know, playing like overdrive in church before this whole, you know, rock bass, crazy worship music. I, I was like, we were like all into that. So, you know, I was listening to Hendrix and all that stuff pretty early on, you know. So, you know, yeah. yeah. It's, good, it's good stuff, yeah. <laughs> um, what, what what was the first sort of blues band you got into? When, when did you start sort of doing gigs? Ooh, the first blues band. Yeah. Oh man, I had played a whole like I had a whole career. I, was, I know. Yeah. <laughs> after I left church before blue, but like you know, first it started with the gospel bands, top forty playing with you know, and just soul and funk and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then in the um, like l- mid nineties, I got into like heavy blues. You know, and the first person I think I played blues with on a like a real blues geek was this uh female guitarist uh named chris wiley okay yeah and she took me um out you know to play rhythm guitar and stuff with her and we both love you know like blues stevie ray vaughn ronnie earl fabulous thunderbirds and all of these people you know so it was cool just to be out in the clubs and that's where i met and saw so many great blues artists at that oh, time yeah. and we're talking like you know, 95, 96. So, you know, it was pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about, you just mentioned the fabulous Thunderbirds, uh, mm-hmm. your time with those guys. I mean, uh, for, for, I think a lot of people, the fabulous Thunderbirds were sort of a gateway into the blues, you know, you start off with the fabulous Thunderbirds and you go, wow, this yeah. is great stuff. And then you start yeah. going back through the catalog and realizing where it came from. Uh, I mean, how did you get into the Fabulous Thunderbirds in the first place? I'm talking, I'm not talking about how did you get into the band. We'll come to that later. <laughs> how did you get, how did you discover the Fabulous Thunderbirds? <laughs> well, you know, that was like, you know, they have these things. I'm sure they have them different places. They call them uh, flea markets or swap yeah. meets or, you know, secondhand things. And we had this Paramount swap meet. And I remember, you know, during that time in the 80s, like you could go there and find all different kinds of records. Records weren't as... You know, like people were getting rid of records and yeah. bringing in CDs, but I still had a record player. That was a mistake, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally, right? So I had a record player, um, barely working, but it worked. And I had, I knew who Jimmy Vaughn was, you know, yeah. but I saw this record and I'm like, man, this is old and this is Jimmy Vaughn, a young Jimmy Vaughn. It's fabulous Thunderbirds and their uh, self-titled record, but Girls Go Wild. We, yeah. you know, most of us call it girls go wild. So I heard that I bought that and like Robin Trower, Bridge of Size at the same time. So imagine this. I was listening to the Fabulous Thunderbirds and Robin Trower, Bridge of Size at the same time. It was like, yes, this is amazing. <laughs> it was no like, oh, Stevie Ray Vaughn's better and Jimmy Vaughn. You know, yeah, yeah. it was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, 
Yeah. So that's really where it was. I was probably about 10 or 11 years old. Wow. And I heard that. Maybe a little older, maybe 13. <laughs> could, could you imagine at 10, 13, let's call it 12, uh, yeah. could you imagine that, you know, when you're listening to your Fabulous Thunderbird record that you'd be playing with that band one day? Not at all. I mean, I didn't even know at that time that I would even pursue uh, music as a career just because, you know, I didn't think I was, I just didn't understand that. I didn't understand being a professional musician. Right. At that age, what what were you thinking of? You know, what was what was your, what were your options at that point if if music wasn't one? If I hadn't been a musician, probably helping somebody. You know, like maybe like in the um, motivational speaker or something oh, okay. like that, or you know, like. But if I hadn't played music, I listened to music all the time, so I probably would have like you know worked in the record store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay yeah you know <laughs> something you know. music based or uh, it's interesting yeah. you're saying motivational speaker because that's again so probably something that you'd still end up on stage doing right so is uh let, let's yeah. move on a little bit is that is the performing part and, and connecting with an audience a really important part of music for you well it's one of the really important things because to me i feel like i have um i've been blessed with the uh, um a certain amount of ability to connect with people and things like that. And it started when I was really young, you know, and I would just do things and play a certain way to make people happy. Yeah. You know? yeah. And that's what I really think is fun about music. And, and it's really, even during these times now, it's the thing that gives me kind of, you know, it makes it, makes me be able to deal with this, you know, all the stuff that's going on, you know? Yeah. 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 So it's all a part of it, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more about um, sort of going back to the Thavius Thunderbirds. Now, the, the, the period you were playing with, with those guys, what was it, about 2008-ish yeah. uh, around that time? Yeah, 2004 to 2007, actually. Right, right. Okay, yeah. 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 Uh, who else was in the band at that time? Because, I mean, it's, it's it's a revolving door of, of, of players. That yeah. yeah. So who, who else was in the band at the time? Well, the fantastic My Little Brother who I miss dearly, Nick Curran was the oh, second yeah. guitar player. Yeah. Or the first, and I was the second. No, I was the first because I joined first. But uh, <laughs> he was the second guitar player. Ronnie James Weber, fantastic bass player, friend yeah. of mine. Jimmy Bott. Gene Taylor was playing piano. So it was a, it was a great band. And the, and the beautiful thing about um, the Fabulous Thunderbirds for me was joining a band. Right. You know, yeah. I wanted to be in a band. I was young and I had never really been in a successful band before. Right. I played with lots of people and artists and all this stuff, but to actually be one of the guys in the band really appealed to me at that time. It's kind of like a gang, isn't it? It's being, yeah. It's like yeah. you got your buddies with you and you can take yeah. them all when you're in a band, yeah. right? It's, nothing yeah. can go wrong. I was playing with Charlie Musselwhite at the time. Right. Yeah. And it was, painful to leave charlie musselwhite because he's a legend he's my yeah. friend still to this day <laughs> you know so it was painful to leave and we were touring really cool playing places you know that legendary blues artists play and it was fun and i really yeah. developed a lot of my playing playing in his band so that was really hard to leave to join the t-birds but yeah. i just wanted that i was young and i wanted the band vibe 
Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. And yeah, uh, I, I think I saw you guys play uh, London actually about that time. It must have been around. Oh time. yeah, Mean Fiddler or something like that. Maybe? I think it was the Astoria, maybe. But, oh uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was a long time ago now, right? That was a yeah. long time. Ago. Like, <laughs> I can barely remember last week at the moment, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm myself, big fan of Nick Curran. Um, yes, sadly, no longer with us. I mean, uh, yeah, I was lucky. I got to play a gig with Nick as well when he came and oh, cool. in the UK. Uh, such yeah. a nice guy and a great vibe. Oh, yeah. I loved his his voice; was fantastic guitar player. He just really was in that vibe of of that old blues music, wasn't he? And it's uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, such a shame that he left us so early. I think would uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sadly, yeah. Remember Nick, great. Um, yeah, so Charlie Musselwhite. Let's talk about Charlie because, of course, a fantastic harmonica player. Now, uh, how yeah. did you hook up with Charlie? Well, Charlie was like, I was playing, actually before the T-Birds and before Charlie, I was playing in, like, Kim Wilson's solo blues band. Yeah. You know, like, where he released those records, Tiger Man and That's Life and those things. I, I played in a later incarnation of that band. You know, for a, a couple years or so, and then I think uh, just you know the the chair opened up. I think John Wiedermeyer, Charlie Musselwhite's guitar player at that time, was leaving to do something else, and then the chair opened up. And um, you know, I think maybe between friends and different things, they recommended me for it. Plus, I was really glad to go out and tour. I wanted to go out on the road. I was in my early twenties, and I went to yeah. go on the road. So. Basically, uh, he came down to Southern California because he lived in the Bay Area. And I didn't even have a gig that night that he was in town, or maybe he was recording. And then I called up my friend, Geneva Madness. <laughs> and I was like, can I come down so Charlie Musselwhite can hear me? And obviously she said yes, because <laughs> that's my big sister. Like, yeah. so and it, it, it all worked out. It worked out. And I was very happy about that. And it was really fun, you know. <laughs> so listen um, just between just between you and i now yes yeah. off, off off the record oh, absolutely it's just guitarist to guitarist right yeah it's it can be pretty tough working with harmonica players sometimes right i mean you know, yeah they, they, absolutely. they seem to play over everything you know yeah how how did you get on with charlie charlie being such a legend i mean does, does he know when to back off or do, sometimes do you have to say man you're stepping on my toes a little bit but it's charlie musselwhite i can't i can't you know it's your gig How'd you work well, that? That's interesting because uh, definitely I had played with like pretty much in Southern California, pretty much every harmonica player. Cause I was trying to cram, you know, 30 years of blues guitar playing into two years. Yeah. <laughs> so I would listen to blues music 24 hours a day, you know, even when I was sleeping. So I really tried to learn how to accompany and, you know, interweave, you know, kind of, you know, like, play wherever they're not playing and then the harmonica players have like different approaches and different ways they like to play or they might be influenced by little walter or sunny boy or more modern or more amped up or whatever yeah. so i would just try and figure out a way to kind of you know play basketball with them okay know? yeah We've so charlie yeah. yeah so charlie was really free he's a very his his timing and space and he's a very very, you know, like, uh, almost like a jazz musician or something, you know? Yeah. So it's like crazy. It never was a thing, you know, plus I, it, he was the boss. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. If anybody had to change their party, it was me. And that was totally cool with me because it was so much fun. And he just like, 
it was just easy. You know, certain harmonica players play way more, you know, and it's it is more difficult. Yeah. But Kim yeah. Wilson and Charlie Musselwhite, I mean, I mean, <laughs> what can I say? You know, it was a yeah. it was really easy. You know. You, you, I think you've been really kind of. I mean, you know, I know you said you played with pretty much every harmonica player in the area, kind of thing. But yeah, <laughs> I guess you've played with the best as well. You know, Kim Wilson uh, and Charlie Musselwhite. I mean, that's, that's 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 quite a blessing, right? You must. You must I would say lucky. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. I really, I really feel that. I mean, even playing with like Linwood Slim, James Harmon, Rod Piazza for a summer tour, right. James Cotton, and all of these different people like that. I really the greatest names. That, yeah, yeah. Is 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 really? I just look at it and I smile because it was a lot of fun. It was just all of it was just happy, fun, no drama at all. <laughs> it was yeah, super exciting. I, I think that's happy. probably because you're a happy, fun, no drama kind of guy, though, probably, right? I think and the music was fun. The music was fun. Take, don't you? Yeah. Oh, thank you. I mean, you've worked with all these fantastic guys. Is there, any, is there anybody left to work with that you haven't worked with yet that you oh, still man. want? <laughs> oh, man. I would like to work with Los Lobos or like, oh, okay, uh, yeah. Robert Cray. Or, I mean, with Robert Cray, though, I just want to, like, jam on a song, though. I mean, he don't need a guitar player to play with. <laughs> you know, it'd just be fun to jam. Yeah. On, the, on one of his songs, you know, just to say, man, I played with one of my heroes, you know. But I, I, I have played with quite a few people. Or Eric Clapton would be fun just because, you know, I respect the man. And yeah, yeah. It would just be fun, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's interesting he's talking about guitarists because I find a lot of guitarists are sometimes sort of um, fiercely, fiercely territorial, shall we say, you know. it's uh, Yeah. It can be yeah. it can be tough, sort of going in to work with another another guitarist. And a prime example is is you've also played with uh, with Joe Bonamassa. And, uh, yeah, Joe's not keen on having other guitarists. Uh, yeah, kind of that's cool. Here, you know? uh, which I totally understand. I totally get that. Um, totally. I mean, how do you, how do you sort of broach that subject? You played rhythm guitar for the man. You you, you just kind of like chill out and lay back, or you know, <laughs> how do you deal with that gig? Well, Joe, that was like. I always joke and say, tell him, you know, whenever I say, I'm like, man, touring with you was like vacation. <laughs> it was like the most amazing, you know, because my role was to make that music, uh, to, to play rhythm and kind of be like a glue, you know, kind of like play the rhythm that he needed to support him to be yeah. able to do his, you know, absolute best. He's going to do that anyway. But, you know, to just propel him into what he wants to do. And I knew what he wanted because we love the same things as far as music. And it was just a supporting role. And that's always just fun for me. So it never was an issue of like, you know, oh, uh, you know, another guitar. It's like, it's his buddy, Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like, you know, whatever I, I'm not playing, you play. And it's that kind of thing because there's a friendship here, you know. So it's like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, you know, it, I don't know how to explain it, but it was just always a lot of fun because I don't get to play rhythm guitar that much anymore. It's much, you know, because I, I just do my own thing now pretty solely just that, you know. So it was fun to step into those shoes again and, you know, <laughs> play all my tricks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always I think as well, it, it's, you know, it is a shame that a lot of guitarists are kind of like so offish like that because every time I work with another guitar player, 
Yeah. I always pick up another little trick, another little tip yeah. or something. And think, yeah. Oh, that's a great little riff there, you know. And yeah. uh, it's that sharing of riffs and bits and pieces that kind of makes things go around. And it's, I know it is tough for some guitar players, but I mean, obviously, yeah, it's you're a, such a nice open guy. You could probably, you know, get on flavor with anyone, I think. I know what you mean exactly, though. It is a thing. And I do sense that a lot between guitar players. And I don't generally like to play with guitar players either. I mean, right, yeah. I, but the thing is, for me, rhythm guitar, like if I am going to play with another guitar, I want to see how can I make them play their best. I, I like kind of get off on that. You know, yeah. I kind of get off on propelling a guy, you know, and that's yeah. work to my disadvantage sometimes because sometimes <laughs> I'm too in the background, you know. Yeah, you but, make them look so good and everyone's going, wow, he's such a yeah, great guitar player. Yeah, 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 Hang on like, a minute, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the cement here just keeping yeah. this together, you know. It's like, yeah. yeah, you know, but it's fun for me, you know. I mean, it's fun. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, about your records, uh, yeah. your albums that you've put out. I mean, uh, how many how many now? Is it five five albums? Oh, man. I lost track, but it's not that many, but I just lost track because my yeah. brain is... <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. Yeah. I'm like, well, how many was that? You know? But I done, I'm here and I'm gone. Shades of Blue, My Turn, uh, the live album, Hold On. Um, and my latest is My Blues Pathway. And I might be missing one or two in there. <laughs> I'm trying to count through and I'm trying to think as well, but yeah. It's five or six, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in that ballpark, right? We're, we're, we're close enough. Totally. Close enough. Uh, in the, uh, your earlier records were with labels and stuff like that, but you're doing more self-release now. Is that a conscious thing? Is that just the way the business is going these days? You think, you think self-release is better these days? Well, that's a fantastic question. Um, when you. I first started, <laughs> when I first started, uh, I'm here and I'm gone was basically like, I'm the guitar player with a bunch of different singers and I do instrumentals because I wasn't singing, writing songs really, or any of that. And the yeah. second record was sort of the same thing. And then the third record was just me wanting to just do everything. I'll let all, everything just go. And I still had, I sang two songs. And then I had another singer on there, my good buddy, Polly Sarah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was like friends, record label people that I knew, and they put out records, you know, and on me, they put out records, yeah. you know, because we were friends and, you know, I was playing with a lot of different people. Yeah. So, you know, and then I'd done this live record after a tour I'd done with this Italian artist, Eros Ramazzotti. Cause I just wanted to play some blues and let off some steam in the club, you know? And then I done a self-release thing. And really the self-release thing was, um, I just thought it would be better to just do it myself. You know, Joe Bonamassa always told me as much as you can do for yourself, you should. So yeah. I took those words to heart, you know? And then because it's 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 like half and half, you know, a label can offer things that maybe you can't do yourself or maybe you don't have the resources to do it. Or yep. maybe doing it yourself, you get more of the profit and stuff, but you know, it's just kind of balancing. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. promotion and all that stuff. But then this last record I did go with the label, Cleopatra Records. Yeah. To do it. So it's really you know, I would say 
it's if you're going to do it yourself, it's a lot more time consuming and you really have to release it and think of, you know, promotion and all that stuff, not just a fantastic record that you recorded in a million dollar studio and then it just yeah. sits there and nobody hears it. You know, so you really have to think of the songs and all that and the PR and all that kind of stuff, too. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's more work, but it's it can be you know, more rewarding too. Just, just depends. I think, yeah, mate, if you get it right, maybe, I think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, when it goes wrong, you've only got yourself to blame yeah. it, haven't you, you know? Which is cool. When the, album, <laughs> when the album flops and it's like, it's on a label, you can blame on the label and that's, that's fine. Man, that didn't promote this thing, right? All down to the label, you know? It's, uh, yeah. Totally, when it's, totally. <laughs> <laughs> the music business these days, yeah. it's, it's, it's changed. It's a changed beast in the last, I don't know, 20 years or so. I mean, we were talking about uh, the vinyl earlier and, you know, uh, yeah. as soon as CDs came in, everybody started dumping the vinyl and buying the CDs. Mm-hmm. Now streaming's come in, of course, and yeah. people have stopped pretty much buying CDs. I mean, CD sales have gone way down, right? You know, it's uh, vinyl's come back a little bit for the, for the real connoisseurs. Yeah. Do you think it's going to carry on on that sort of trend or do you see like CDs coming back in vogue one day and everybody trying to buy back, buy back their CDs going, oh, I wish I'd never got rid of that, man. Oh, God, I hope not. No, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, I really like vinyl. It's just to my ears, it's just about more pleasing to my ear and not being so fatigued when I hear records, you know. Right. And... You know, I don't want to debate about which is better or which sounds better or people like this or whatever. Just for me personally, I like really analog, warm, rolled off kind of sounding stuff, you know? Yeah. So I really, it's funny because I think everything goes around in a big circle, you know? So maybe CDs will come back or whatever like that, you know? I don't know. I mean, but it's, yeah. yeah, I I sold all mine, so there you go. (laughs) All of mine are in storage in LA. (laughs) Right. I think think the thing with vinyl is that what appeals to a lot of people is it's a proper, it's like um, a ceremony almost. You know, with uh, with streaming or something, you can just say to your speaker, you know, play the latest Kirk Fletcher album, and that's okay. You can potter around doing stuff and all that, and, and you might sort of dip in and out of it, hear bits. When you decide to put a record on, a vinyl record on, you have to kind of like make time for it, get it out of the sleeve, put it onto the machine, sit yep. there and watch it and kind of you're 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 so much more kind of connected to it because mm-hmm. you're not distracted by anything else. You've got to make time to do it. And I think it's that that thing that really appeals to people with the vinyl. So I, I don't see that going away again now. Yeah. I think people realise that they've missed that and lost that art of I saw some uh, an article on the other day, the art of deep listening. I think yeah. it was called, like you know. Yeah. So it's uh, which is great for musicians. That's what we want people to do, isn't it? We want people to get lost in a, a record for yeah that half hour that it lasts or forty five minutes, whatever it is. And you know, you don't really want them to put it on your CD and start doing the vacuum cleaning to it and you know missing bits and all that. And think, think I spent hundreds <laughs> on getting that guitar tone right, and you're just covering it up with a, with a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> totally. You know, it's crazy to add to what you're saying, and I absolutely, totally, positively agree. Um, I think in today's times, I really kind of look at it both ways. I look at the album because I'm really from that thing and also the spotify thing like spotify people's attention span is just really 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 short 
really yeah. short. You know, the first minute or two, you have to get them in. So a lot of times I'll think about Spotify and I'll think about what can I put as the first song to really get them in as oh, yeah. well as what would be cool on the record too. Yeah. You know, so when you play that first thing, you want to do impact and you want to give them something right away because Spotify, whether we like it or not, it's, it's here, you know, and it's probably going to yeah. be around for a while too. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Mate. I hope, hopefully they're sorted out there. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's a little bit better, but um, I certainly hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That, that's a can of worms we don't need to open today, I think. Yeah, right? uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, speaking of Spotify, though, I think it's also makes people, um, it's almost devalued music a little bit because music is it's consumed so fast now. Yeah. People listen to a track and they want another one and another one and another one. Yeah. Don't, it's not like the old days where you would get that vinyl album and you might have had to save up to your saved up your pocket money to buy this album like, totally. you were so excited about it. you haven't even heard it before you bought it yeah you take it home and you put it on the record player and you'd listen to it and then you listen to it again listen to it again because yeah. that's the album you had yeah. now people are like you know play that track okay i've heard that track let's move on get the next one it's, yeah. it's just such a high turnover i mean wow it's making you know some ways it's great because people are listening to lots and lots of music, but yeah. it makes you think, wow, it's just. Well, you, you know, in my, um, in my time, I sound so old now. <laughs> in my time, it was like a cassettes, you know, yeah. so the same deal. You know, you play the cassette, you save up all your money to get the cassette or the single or whatever. And you play that and you have to turn it over. And it's like, you yeah. kind of just tend to listen to the whole thing more because you don't really fast forward over you know i mean it's yeah like you just listen to the whole thing it was harder with the cassettes right because you had to judge it exactly <laughs> right in the right place so if there was ever a track that you didn't really like that much yeah. you just would listen to it anyway because it wasn't worth messing about with right yeah exactly. now they can just go skip the next track and it, yeah it's yeah yeah <laughs> and again i think that made a lot of musicians lazy though isn't it because you know I'd, i think a lot of pop bands especially they'd have a big hit and then they put out an album and the album was filled with like maybe two good songs and the rest of it was filler, like, you know, but they knew that people would have to listen to the whole bloody thing just to hear the yeah. two big hits, you know? So I, I guess that has made things a bit better now, you know, people. I never to, thought about it that way, yeah. but you're absolutely right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me ask you about songwriting. Uh, how's, how does that work out for you these days? Are you, are you writing more now or you, is it something you want to do more of songwriting? How, how do well, you feel about it? You know, I'm like always the reluctant songwriter for many different reasons. Some about never thinking my songs were good enough. Uh, the people I was around were like not really songwriters. So I was hanging around more guitar players that didn't write songs right. as much. Just all different kind of things. I'm not blaming anybody, but I just was the reluctant songwriter. And I didn't have the confidence to write songs and things like that for a long, long, long time. Mostly my whole career. And, uh, but I always kind of wrote down little things and I was always putting music to friends songs, you know, I was always, you know, like even Kim Wilson on the painted on record, we sat there and he sang lyrics and stuff and I put some guitar and stuff to it or whatever. But, uh, songwriting to me has become a way now 
being in my 40s, it has been a way to really express myself in the way that I really feel is almost one of the most important things, you know. So I'm still a baby at songwriting, but <laughs> it's definitely, I feel there's improvement with the last two records. I feel like, you know, now if I collaborate even with somebody songwriting, oh, I actually have a bunch of lines instead of, oh, you know, know, oh, well, I got a title or I got, this, <laughs> or I got a bridge to, you know, like maybe you can come up with a hook or, you know, like now I'm starting to feel like, you know, I can collaborate. I can write my own songs and really express myself. And really, I'm starting to find out that that's my way of really saying what I feel about the world, what I feel about politics, everything within inside the song without sounding political, just if you listen to them, you'll find out a lot about me, you know, through the lyrics. So that's really cool. I, I think that's what people want, though. People want yeah. to get a little bit of an insight into you, right? Yeah. A musician and a songwriter. And I think that's, uh, yeah, that, that's great. I mean, you know, you say you're sort of, you know, learning your way, but I think that's always the case with songs. It's always, yeah. you know, you, you write a song and, and I think it, I don't think there's hardly anyone in the world who writes a song and thinks, you know what, that's a number one hit song straight away <laughs> right there. You know, you, you have these doubts, don't you? And you kind yeah. of go backwards and forwards thinking, hey, is it, is, it, is it just a pile of crap or, you know, is it, is it actually got something? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I think it's good. It's, it's, uh, it's, I think it's really interesting when, when people do start writing songs and you yeah, start a little absolutely. bit of their, their character coming through. That's, that's great. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about, uh, about Switzerland. Yeah, sure. Because uh, now I was speaking to uh, to Eric Bibb the other day. Yeah, and uh, he's he's living in Sweden now. Oh, cool. Uh, me myself, I've moved from the UK and I'm living in France now. Nice. Uh, there's a lot of musicians moving around these days. What yeah. uh, what 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 brought you to uh, to Switzerland? Well, I fell in love with a young lady, and she was uh, oh, the old story, eh? Uh, in Switzerland, and. Uh, you know, my daughter was going to college at that time. So I felt that, you know, that was a good time to maybe move to Switzerland so we could be in the same place instead of long distance love, you know. Yeah. Plus, you know, I've played in um, Europe so much and I was yeah. on tour a while ago in Italy, you know, for a year. So I start to kind of understand, you know, Europe a little bit more at that time. So it was, you know, plus I, I kind of, I'm kind of that person. I don't know if this is a good thing, but I'm sort of like wherever I, you know, lay my hat is my home kind of person, right, Yeah. you know, yeah. so I really can kind of just, you know, every, you know, I kind of, LA is still very dear to my heart and I still go there on a regular basis. Well, as much as I can now, but yeah, you yeah. know, or wherever, you know, so I, I, I don't really feel like the two places are that far apart. They are, but they are, you know, right. Yeah. Cause I've traveled for a lot of my life. So yeah, yeah. yeah. it's cool. So you're not, not missing the States too much at the moment, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I feel, you know, bad for a lot of my family and friends still in the States. So it's, you know, it's like, wow, you know, so it, it's mixed emotions, I guess. I, the best way for me to say it is really mixed emotions, you know, because uh, the States are always my home and I still go there often. So it's like, oh man, kind of heavy, you know? So, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. 
<laughs> it is. It's yeah, a crazy world we're living in for sure. Yeah. You know? but, uh, who knows? I mean, let's talk about that a little bit as well, because right, yeah. right at the moment, at the time of the recording of this uh, of this podcast, we're, we're in the middle of a, a worldwide pandemic, of course. Yeah. I'm sure that hasn't escaped anyone's notice. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's affected the music business massively, hasn't it? I mean, it, it, it must have affected you in quite a few ways, I'm sure. Absolutely. You know, and it's funny because it's not all in a negative way. <laughs> right. Okay. It's like, you know, I mean, like I, you know, kind of when everything went crazy, March in March, you know, I was like, oh man, this is devastating. And I was in a funk for many, many months, you know, yeah. and I had things planned, like I'm sure a lot of us did, you know, and I, I just didn't know what to do or where to turn because I was coming, you know, into this pandemic, like thinking the old way Kurt you know, thought, you know, oh man, another obstacle, the blues, you know, it's like yeah. these obstacles, <laughs> I'm a musician and obstacles. And they always trying to keep a good musician down and everybody, you yeah. know, and it's just yeah. all messed up and all of these things play out in your head. But, you know, it, it was like growing pains too. You know, it was like, man, I really had to change my perspective on the things that I really, what am I about? What, what am, you know, why do I do this? Why, what excites me about it? Is it playing in front of people or is it just blues? Is it music that excites me? What's the most important thing and really find that out, you know? So I had a lot of, you know, really heartfelt thoughts with myself, you know, and I, I, I feel that, you know, after a while I started doing, you know, cause me, I mean, like I'm always, the blues is pretty much built on making something out of not much or nothing, you know, right? <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. So, yep. so I'm like, man, I'm still Kirk Fletcher and I still love music and I'm still going to talk about it. And I still love blues and I, uh, my blues pathway and everything. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna start doing YouTube videos, you know, not for, anything yeah. monetary or, or I just want to start doing it, talking about the things that made me excited. And I'm like, and it just went on and I just done one every day. And it started to just change my whole thought process. And I'm like, man, I want to come out of this better than I was before. Right. So now yeah. my new year's resolution is to like learn 30 classic blues songs that I didn't know, or maybe I knew how to play them, but didn't know the words, the lyrics to them. And I noticed I've already started since I've been home on one song by Percy Mayfield. Uh, And as I write the lyrics down to memorize them, you know, I write the lyrics down and I go, wow, he said this instead of that, this word, and and it it has more meaning. Just a single word makes the whole lyric change. And he yeah. chose to use that word. So I'm like, whoa, this is going to influence my songwriting. This is going to influence my confidence walking on stage, any stage and being able to play a shuffle and know all of these different blues songs. So I'm going to just keep going. So hopefully I can break some bad habits of being lazy and not learning a bunch of songs, you know? Yeah. Because I want to have a bunch of songs and be able to learn songs faster. You know, this is always my, you know, sort of, you know, that's the thing that I do that's not so great, you know, and that'll, you know, influence my uh, singing, 
in all of these things, songwriting and everything. So you see, I'm very excited about this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it boils down to music, you know. Just, you know, I, I've heard a, I've heard a lot of musicians say the same thing. I mean, obviously, our our sort of main uh, stream of revenue has been yeah. completely cut short. You know, there's no gigs to, to be had anywhere. It's just that's yeah. that's. But but so many people have have gone. You know, and it's brought out the uh, the, the creativity in them. They have found different ways of doing things. Like you say, you're doing your YouTube thing. Yeah. People will do live streams and they'll start writing. I've seen people collaborating on Zoom. Yeah. And, you know, doing writing like that, and, and with people that uh, they might not necessarily have got together with beforehand yeah yeah so it's this sort of adversity that almost makes you the creativity flow and i think that's great yeah. it, it's important to see it positively and I, I can see from you that you've you've really embraced the positive side of it that, that's fantastic. even if i didn't want to yeah <laughs> i had no choice right because <laughs> at first i was like oh man this is terrible <laughs> like everybody else you know yeah um let's very quickly talk a little bit about guitars sure. uh, are you Particularly into uh, you said uh, right early on in the in the uh, in our little chat that your yeah. brother was uh, really into all the gadgets and the pedals yeah. and all the kind of bits and pieces. Uh, have you got that love as well? Are you into all the bits and pieces and having loads of different guitars and all that? Or are you just like it? Do you know what? It's just my tool and it's just the thing that I take to work. I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't, which which way do you go on that? It's usually two camps. I'm all about guitars. I love great sounding guitars. Whatever, if I pick up a guitar and it speaks to me, it could be anything. It could be a hot pink Kramer. If it speaks to me and has a sound, I'm like, whoa, this has a sound. You know, yeah. but gadgets, I'm just not. I just right. like, I love pedals and I know that there are certain things, you know, that I need, you know, like reverb or, you know, if an amp doesn't have reverb, I need a reverb pedal or, or a big, yeah reverb tank or a wow yeah. or a phaser or something but really me if you give me a great guitar and a nice clean amp tube amp mostly uh, you know i'm at home i'm so at home you know so gadgets i went through that phase you know with gadgets and learning about them but now i'm just sort of like i like the sound of the natural sound of the guitar you know it's fun do you have a favorite guitar these days that you play no i mean like I have a Desert Island guitar like that, you know, like I, I just, a Fender Stratocaster is my Desert Island guitar just because that's what I learned how to play on. That's what I spent the most yeah. time, you know, and I love it. And I feel like I could be comfortable walking into any situation. Oh, I got my Strat. I can make you do whatever I need to do. You know, it's yeah. like my toothbrush or whatever, you know, yeah. but I love Gibson 335s too. I've been playing PRS guitars for the last few months, and there's beautiful things that I love about those guitars that it's like stepping in a whole new world almost with the sustain and the playability and the tuning and all of this stuff. And I'm like, wow, that's okay. <laughs> you know, I had to get over the vintage thing a little bit and just embrace yeah. sustain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why make it harder for yourself, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. B.B. King said this. <laughs> yeah, and he, he should know, right? Yeah, well, I would yeah. say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Kirk, I always like to finish these things up with a, with a, a special question. Absolutely. And um, I want you to imagine um, we're in the future, yeah. way, way in the future, uh -huh. and the world is actually quite a nice place now. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. Everyone's kind of getting along, and 
it's you know we're doing good we're doing good we have a world president who sort of makes sure everything runs along smoothly and keeps yeah. things going and it's great we're having a fantastic time yeah until we get the terrible news that in three days time an asteroid is going to hit the earth this yeah. huge ginormous asteroid is going to hit the earth and it's mm -hmm. going to completely wipe it out there'll be nothing left at all it's just going to be completely gone mm -hmm. So the world president gets on the telephone to you and he says, Kurt, we've got a special job for you, man. We said, we're going to have a, a huge world party, mm -hmm. be a worldwide party because we want to go out celebrating, you know, yeah. and dancing and shouting and singing, yeah. and having a really good time. He says, uh, look, we want you to, to play. We want you to come and play at this gig and put on this, this show. And mm -hmm. you need to bring along a special band. You can have anyone in the band you want. Mm -hmm. And you need to play a special song as the last song that the world is ever going to hear. So who's in the band and what's the song going to be? Uh, <laughs> dead or alive in the band? or Well, it, it is in the future. So you can have holograms. They have hologram technology in the future. So you can have anyone you want pretty much. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> I can have anybody I want. Yeah. On drums, bass, and organ. Yep, and all that. absolutely. Well, yeah, your on boots. On organ, I would have Billy Preston on oh, organ. Right, yeah. And on drums, I would probably have, uh, I would probably have like uh, James Gatson or, uh, man, that's a, that's a crazy, I'm a, such a drum fan, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, uh, I would have probably um, somebody like Jerry Jamont or somebody on base, you know, or maybe uh, James Jamerson or oh, yeah. somebody like that, you know, on base. And uh, I would have background singers too, you yep. know, like absolutely, yeah, Aretha Franklin and like, <laughs> you know, just, you know, on that level of singers, you know, Shaka Khan and like all these people would be like my background singers. Then I would have Quincy Jones, like conduct the orchestra, yeah. you know, <laughs> and like, it would be super like the, you know, fantastic horn section and everything. I can't think of who would be in the horn section, but you know, and the last song would probably be, uh, God, it would be one, one that comes to mind. It's like going down slow. That's one of my favorite oh. songs, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or that's like uh, um, Last Night by Little Walter, I Lost the Best Friend I Ever Had, you know, something yeah, like yeah. that. Or, yeah. you know, just some really just blues, just one of those songs that make you go, damn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like, yeah. ah, the heart-reaching type blues, because that's really when it's all said and done, you know, other than maybe a gospel song, but I, you know, it would be one of those kind of songs, you know? Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I don't know, you know, out of my own song, I don't, <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I think considering it's the, it's the, the world is about to come to me. I think going down is quite appropriate really, isn't it? Yeah. Kind of like, you know, I'm saying it in the words, isn't it? Going, going down, down slow, <laughs> you know, yeah. please write my mother and tell her the shape I'm in, the world yeah. in, you know, exactly, I mean, yeah. like some, something like that would just be like, Ooh, you know, I yeah. love songs like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that'd be a great one. That would, that would be a great pie for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really Preston. Uh, wow. Ooh, Oregon. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Love it. I hope I'm there to see it. That's all I can oh, say. Oh, man. <laughs> Kirk, it's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for being oh, here. Oh, thank on you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I'd like to say just lots of uh, lots of positive uh, happiness for you and oh, best of luck. You. Same to you. Fingers crossed for getting back on the road. And, yes. uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> hopefully I'll see you on the road sometime, somewhere Absolutely. soon. Absolutely. Yeah. Take care, my friend. <laughs> Take care. So if you've enjoyed this, why not like and subscribe to the Blues Podcast right now? All right. <laughs>